0: With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present with us in the Blessed Sacrament. The topic of our conversation with our Lord is producing a bright and cheerful environment. And if we are with spouse and children, Using a phrase of Saint Jose Maria, a bright and cheerful home. This strikes at the heart of the new evangelization. Our Holy Father has concretized this new evangelization that was coined by Saint John Paul. In a certain sense, this New evangelization started, could have started with other institutions as well, but it definitely started when St. Jose Maria saw that there is a burning need for Christ to be in the heart of the world because he's absent. And the burden of that task lies on everybody's shoulders, but especially on the shoulders of the laity because only the laity can bring Christ to the sports field, to the farm, to the auto body shop, to the classroom, to the law office, to the operating room, to the maintenance work, to the family. And so there is an urgent need for Christ, especially today with such an absence of Christ and an ignorance of basic norms of morality that ultimately lead to happiness. And the Holy Father says in order to evangelize we need to always lead with joy, especially today in the 21st century. It was certainly the case when the apostolate or the evangelization began in those first years of the church's history, when the great majority of the population had no interest in what was objectively true or objectively false, but when they saw the witness of those early Christians, the experience, the collective experience of the pagans of that time, was see how much they love each other, That was recorded by one of the ancient writers, Tertullian. And we need to repeat that. And it's no accident that the prominent part of love in the life of Jesus is his joy. And the first description of Jesus is, that he's everlasting life, that he's light, that he's life. And Luke, who tailors his gospel to the Gentiles, he is good news of great joy. Since we can use supernatural syllogism, what, what is at the heart of the work of evangelization to bring Christ to people? to draw people to Jesus. Jesus is joy, he doesn't only have it, he isn't. And that keeps resurfacing in the Gospels. And the first and only time, and that's very much at the end of the Gospel, it's his last words, he refers to himself the first and only time in the third person. And this is eternal life. This is joy. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And this knowledge, there's two kinds of knowledge, knowledge of that mind, where I learn algebra, I learn historical facts, I learn current events, I learned the sports scores, that's academic knowledge. And then there's the knowledge of the heart. Sure, I know her. She's my mother. Yes, I know him. I know him very well. He's my best friend. Yes, I know her. She's my sister. So it's the knowledge of the heart. And our Lord says that this happiness is in function of this knowledge of the heart. In other words, this bond of friendship with him. And so the, if bringing Christ to others is at the heart of evangelization, which means bringing good news, evangelon, which is a Greek word which means good news, then evangelization means to transmit joy to other people. And if I'm not transmitting joy, I'm not evangelizing. Now, just for the sake of argument, isn't spreading the gospel, isn't evangelization giving good doctrine? Of course it is evangelization is teaching the truth it's teaching the truth about Christ it's teaching the truth about the demands of human nature which is the moral law which is objective that people cannot be led to Christ without living the moral law yes that is evangelization teaching the truth But maybe just to give a little example, I was talking to a couple of young people who kind of knew their faith and could argue about the veracity of objective morality. And I wouldn't say they picked a fight, but you know how college kids are, they stay up to the wee hours of the morning and do everything but study and get into arguments and discussions and a couple of these kids were crestfallen because their opponents talking about one of the current moral issues didn't care if they were right they even conceded you're probably right but we don't i don't care i don't care about the truth if that suits you, suit yourself. And even though you have cogent arguments, I don't care if your arguments are cogent and logical, and I don't care if I can't uh, oppose these arguments with my own arguments. And so they're kind of crestfallen. My, my friends don't even want to fight back. My friends don't want to even argue back. My friends are totally indifferent to what's right and what's wrong. And they're gonna pursue what they feel gives them most gratification. What do you do? Well, you need to lead with joy. Because when there is joy, everybody wants joy. Everybody wants to be dealt with kindly and affectionately. If there's enough joy, family and friends will open the door of the heart and ask, what is the reason for your joy? I'm not saying we are, but if we just are good at giving dogmatic facts and we moralize, but don't transmit that joy doesn't work because it's all about witness. I wish it did work, it'd be easier. But it doesn't. So to teach doctrine and morals, which is urgent, they need to open the door of their mind and heart. Where does all this begin? Well, the successor to St. Jose Maria Blessed Alvaro, said in, in one of his pastoral letters, That the job of the follower of Jesus is to create an ambiance, an environment of a home, even if they don't have, you know, wife and kids in close proximity, or if they don't have them, period. That in their workplace, on the sports field, at the party, their visits to people, they're always creating an ambiance of the home, of family. And that especially applies when we are with family. And as we reflect on the first evangelizers, which was the new evangelization, because there was no other evangelization before that, you didn't have parochial schools. It was against the law. You'd get killed if you tried something like that. You virtually didn't have any temples of Christianity, of Catholicism, it was against the law. It was a capital offense. So masses were done surreptitiously in people's houses, in the catacombs. You didn't have rectories, you didn't have parish center, you didn't have a cathedral. The church was a moral presence. There were very few physical signs of the church's presence. There was no buildings dedicated to Christianity. And so, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Christian family was the unit, the cell of the universal church and was called the domestic church. And it was the home school of evangelization. And those domestic churches were marked by joy. In fact, there's documentation that they were marked by joy. And there's something to be said. When the father of the household is joyful, because he has that natural authority of fatherhood, and it has nothing, I'm not implying even remotely, and you know that, are you putting motherhood in the second place? No, it's distinct. Motherhood's at the heart. But fatherhood takes the lead, sets a tone, endorses a cheerful motherhood, if you will. And because it's the joy of the dad, of the father, of the man, that joy diffuses. And let's make that act of faith that joy is our Lord. Everlasting life is our Lord. Life is our Lord. Love is our Lord. We can almost say that what we have in front of us, the exposed blessed sacrament, is joy hidden underneath the appearance of bread. Now we ask the question, you know, we Americans are very practical. Well, give me the help menu. What do I gotta do to be joyful? Uh, What are the pitfalls? Uh, What are the, you know, the self-help exercises I could do to be more joyful? And that probably has its role, but let's see what our Lord says. He equates joy with two perspectives he says abide in my love let me just read this if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love so he commandments and abiding in his love these two perspectives what is this what are what, what does he mean by commandments what does he mean by abiding in his love his commandments are him Abiding in his love is that we need to unite ourselves to him. We need a friendship with him, we're working on it. We need to be living in him through the bread, which is the Eucharist, through mental prayer, which is the word of God, through the shortcut to the word of God, which is the rosary, through the cross, and through the effort to love people. This is how I, 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 those are the ports of entry into that heart of Jesus, and I, and He says, "Keep the commandments." That I duplicate everything He did and said, and that leads to joy. And so, hence Saint Jose Maria says, "In the way, you are unhappy. Think there must be an obstacle between God and me. You'll seldom be wrong." You asked me to suggest a, a cure for your sadness, I'll give you a prescription from an expert advisor the Apostle St. James. Are you sad, my son? Pray, try it and you'll see. The joy comes from union with him. Let me just continue to read. These things, if you abide in, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. So our Lord is talking about his joy in us, but it's a consequence of prayer. It's a consequence of abiding in him and following in his footsteps. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. What is an example of this bright and cheerful home? Well, I still have fresh in my mind the recently, six months ago, deceased prelate of Opus Dei, Bishop Echevarria, now affectionately known as Don Javier. And we called him father. He's the father. What could I learn? What could we learn? Well, he would in the last years of his life, he urged everybody to hunger for Christ. So he was revealing his own inner self. And when you were in his presence, I I notice a pattern here. You would make him happy because you were in his presence. And you would make him enthusiastic. He would be interested in you. He would want to listen to you and he'd draw you out. And he had a smile of contentment because you were in front of him. And he would tell, he would say he was frustrated because he wanted to spend lots of time with people he met, people he was close to. You'd be frustrated when he have to say goodbye to you. A little pattern. His predecessor, his is, sanctity, was recognized by the church. And it's not, it's not me only, but people have written about Blessed Alvaro's smile. He, he'd be happy again to see you. He had a smile. And he gave the false impression that he had no problems. He had a lot of what we would call problems. I'm name-dropping saints that I saw. Pick any saint you want, but the common denominator is that that joy—not clowning around and back-slapping joy, and you know, an artificial joy where you know you're kind of a goody-goody and you're you're moronically laughing at things that go wrong. I mean, it's not that kind of joy, but this. This happiness because the fullness of joy is in you and this joy that is a consequence of loving people and let's you know get down to we all do have to get down to concrete resolution uh, uh, and maybe examine ourselves at the end of the day just that simple question did I lift my spouse's spirits today was the hello a lackluster hello, am I in the habit of giving lackluster hellos without being weird about it, but genuinely happy to see, in your case, your spouse. Is there time with each child, each son and daughter where there's interest, there's joy, you leave them happier than they were before? Are you fun to be with? Do people look forward to you coming home because you lift spirits, you're in a good mood. You're so happy to be with your family. That's where evangelization starts. If, if, it's, if, if the joy is not there, we, we could uh, be moral experts and great theologians, but it doesn't work. You have to be my witnesses. What does Jesus mean by witness? That I gotta reflect his joy, not perfectly, and when I give in to ill humor or anger, that I get up again, I, I, I apologize and begin again. I'm a vessel of clay, but the overarching sentiment I have is joy. And so the, the other resolution, and then I finish, I don't want to give general absolution here, um, is that we commit ourselves to prayer, because that's the real source of joy. That's what our Lord says, you know, abide in my love and then, you'll, then I'll give you my joy. And, that, and so that your joy may be full. Well, we take that shortcut, as we always do, to the Blessed Mother. In the Litany of Loretto, there's an invocation addressing her as cause of our joy. Well, we go to the cause of our joy and ask her to help us abide in the joy of her son so that we transmit it to others. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.